Welcome to the Redeemer Church Podcast. Thanks for listening. At Redeemer, we are committed to following Jesus and connecting people to God's transforming love. To stay connected to all that's happening here, visit RedeemerTulsa.org or connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Good morning. Wow. Uh, We need to start out with just a word of condolences to the Oklahoma fans. Uh, Not quite so excited, is it? But if you need to feel better, just you could be an Arkansas fan. So just take it for that. You you were there and we weren't. We were a long way from there. Uh, I kind of wondered what to talk about this morning and sort of wrestle with a lot of different ideas. And thought about the idea of resolutions. But uh, I have done such a poor job in the past of keeping resolutions. That just seemed inappropriate to do that. But I would like to kind of issue a challenge. And to introduce the challenge, I want to show a clip from a movie. And you need to give you a little bit of background from it. The movie is Hoosiers. Some of you might remember it. But the, the backstory of it is in Indiana, years ago, I don't know whether it still exists or not, when they played the state high school basketball tournament, all the teams were in it. Big schools, little schools, da 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 And one year, one year, a small school won it. Just one year. Usually it was obviously the big schools from the big cities. But one year, a team won. And this movie depicts that. And the mythical town of the movie is Hickory. And they have made it all the way to the state semifinals. And on their basketball team is a kid named Ollie. And Ollie is far and away the worst player on the team. They only had eight players and this and that, and Ollie hardly ever played. But they're in this big state semifinal game, and people foul out, and people get hurt, and Ollie has to play. So that's the scene. Good for Ollie. The reason I wanted to show that is, obviously, Ollie had spent a lot of time on the team. He had spent a lot of time on the bench. He had watched a lot of games. He had been close to the games, and he probably liked being on the team. Does that make sense? But it's a whole different thing when you have to go into the game. That's a whole different kettle of fish. And maybe part of the reason I like that is because I can identify with it. Because um, we, had a very, we were not a very good team in high school, especially my junior and senior year. But we played North Little Rock. And they were the big state. They were the Alabama of high school basketball in, in, in Arkansas. So we were playing over there. And people were yelling and screaming. And we were way behind. I mean, we... We were behind before the game ever started. But anyway, we were way behind. And the and coach sent us in. There were four or five of us that didn't play very much, and he sent us into the game. And this is not what you do when you're behind and there's about five minutes left in the game. But we stalled. We just threw the ball to one another, stood way out there, because we were so intimidated. We were so scared. We really didn't want to get in the game. We liked being close and we liked watching what was going on. But getting in the game is a different deal. And I think for those of us who are Christians, some of us just need to get in the game. We like being around it. We like being part of church. We like the people. But we haven't quite decided to get in the game. And it's a different kind of deal. And so that's what I want to do this morning. I want to kind of encourage slash challenge whatever the word might be challenge us to get in the game and I'm talking to myself as much as anybody else because I've got areas that I hold on to that I need to get in the game so what do I mean by getting in the game you know getting in the game I've come up with my own definition intentionally engaging in the process of knowing Christ better 
and adjusting our priorities to be consistent with what we understand his priorities to be. In that definition or that description, I came up with it because it's got four words in it that I want to talk about. The first word is intentionally. Getting in the game is something that we choose to do. It's not just something we stumbled into. You know, Ollie was pushed into the game, but we have to make that choice. We choose to whether or not they're going to be in the game. And that's a choice that people throughout Scripture have been called to make. And it's not an easy choice. This is from Joshua. Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your forefathers worshipped from beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods your forefathers served beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites, Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my house, we will choose the Lord. And sooner or later, we have got to decide what we're going to choose. And in a sense, it's not the game we get into, it's which game we get into. We have got to make that decision to choose the Lord. And that's something that Jesus confronted people with. It's something Paul confronted people with. Hopefully it's something that we up here confront people with. We need to make a choice. We're not just going to drift into it. And it's not based on our parents' choice. It's not based on our friends' choices. It's based on our choice. And it will come down between us and God at some point. We need to make a choice to get in the game. And by the way, that doesn't choice doesn't mean that we necessarily understand everything there is to understand about it. One definition that really helped me when I was kind of struggling with all this years ago is what we're called on to do to give as much of ourselves as we can, as much of ourselves as we know, to as much of Jesus as we know. We don't need to know everything about everything, but we're willing to give what we got to as much of Jesus as we know. So there's an intentionality about it. We've got to make that choice. The second word that I thought of was the idea, the word of process. Because making this choice might be an event, but living it out is in a process. It's something that goes on for a while. We need to grow. We need to be different now than we were five years ago. We need to be different uh, in five years than we are now. And one of the things I've asked myself this season is, Going back to January 1st of 2018, how am I different? How have I grown? Am I doing anything any differently? Do I love people any more effectively? Am I more kind? Am I more sensitive? Am I more aware of different things? It's a process and we need to grow. And let me give you one example of how this has worked in my life. And by the way, I'm not sitting up here saying I've got this all figured out. I really struggle with it a lot. So I'm not saying that, but let me give you one example. When you get to be my age, uh, you look back a lot and, and reflect on how you've lived and what you've done and so on and so forth. And as I've looked back and reflected on things, you know, I look back at some of those years and I have deep, deep regrets. I actually felt like sometimes it'd be nice to go on an apology tour and just work my way through the people I knew and apologize because I did some really idiotic, insensitive, thoughtless kinds of things. There's a bunch of them. It wasn't anything you would have seen and thought, well, this guy's really immoral or this guy's out there doing crazy stuff, but just little insensitive things. And the reality is I didn't think about them very much as what they were at the time. I just didn't think about it. But as you get close to the light, and the light is Jesus, the light illuminates things. The light helps you see better. 
But the light also exposes things. And so as I've gotten closer to Jesus over the years and the light is reflected, it's exposed some things in myself, some darkness, you know, some stuff, some sin, some things that I wasn't even aware of before. And the light kind of works that way. And I can look back on those years and say I was immature, and that was part of it. I can look back on those years and say I just didn't know what I didn't know, and that was part of it. But if I'm really honest and shine the light on it, it's also because I was insensitive, and I knew what I was doing sometimes. I knew when I was manipulating people. I knew when I was making fun of them. I knew those things, but I just didn't think anything about it. And so the light exposes things, and we grow, and that's part of the process. But you know what else has happened in that process? I have also become much more appreciative of grace, and that's really what it's all about. You pull grace out of this thing, we are all in horrible, horrible trouble. And I can say as part of the process of growing, not only am I more aware of my own sin, but I'm acutely aware of God's grace. And hopefully that changes me. Hopefully that makes me a person who reaches out more. Hopefully that makes me a person who's more sensitive. Hopefully that makes me a person who's more thoughtful. Because I'm operating more out of grace now. And that's a good thing. The road to getting there was painful, but the process has been good because it's driven me to grace. Does that make sense? And I really hope that we can all have that experience because grace is a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful thing, incalculable as to how good it is. So the next word in the, in the definition is we go through it from up here. The third word involves knowing. And I put knowing Jesus. And see if this will make sense, because I think it's hugely important. There's an incredible difference in knowing someone and knowing about them. A lot of people know a lot of facts about Jesus, but they don't know him. There's a difference in all that as we go forward. We know someone personally, that's different from knowing about them. Um, so how many of you have heard of a basketball player named Sidney Moncrief? Oh, very few. He's, I'm, I'm kind of aging myself. But when I lived in Little Rock and was helping with some high school stuff there, he played on the high school team where I did the Young Life Club. And he was great back in high school. And he got a scholarship at the University of Arkansas. And he was great there, too. He was an All-American, played in the pros for a bunch of years, was all NBA, all defensive team, a terrific player and apparently a great human being. Well, if you'd asked me about Sidney Moncrief, I knew a lot about him. I knew where he grew up. I knew where he played high school ball. I knew what position he played. I knew where he played in college. I knew the people on his team. I knew the pro team he went to. I knew a lot about him, but I didn't know him. And there's a difference in knowing someone and knowing about them. And I fear that a lot of people, a lot of Christians, we know a lot about Jesus, but we don't know him. And there's a difference. And part of being in the game is we know him. We know him personally. We spend time with him. We know him. And that's important that we learn how to do that. And a lot of us try when there's a crisis, you know, where is God? Well, in reality, if you wait to get to know someone until you're in a crisis, there's a lot of ground that's lost. We need to know him on a day-to-day, -day, a regular basis. We need to know him. And we try up here at the church to do a lot of things that will help people know Jesus better. We have Bible studies. 
and we hope people will get involved in that. We have prayer things, and we hope people will get involved in that. But ultimately, as much as those things can help, I think it comes down to a one-on-one deal between us and God. And I don't know how many of us are comfortable studying the Bible. For me, it kind of ebbs and flows and comes and goes. There's some days that it just clicks, and it's a great thing. There's some days that it's just kind of like, what am I doing? I'm not making any progress at all. But we need to stay with it. And as we, as we open the Bible and read, I would encourage us all to pray, God, help me know you better. I not only, know what this, I not only want to know what this says, but help me to know you, you to reach out to me through this. Let's get me, you and me in a relationship. I like to know facts, and I like to know those things, but ultimately it's about a relationship. And so how in the world do we get to know Jesus? So I would encourage us to really get involved in Scripture and get involved in prayer and get involved in things, not just to know things, but that help us know Jesus better. And if we're involved in a lot of activities, even Christian activities, if they're not helping us know Jesus better, I'm not sure that they're not going to turn out to be wood, hay, and stubble somewhere. We need to get to know Jesus as we go forward from here. And some of us might be kind of new to reading the Bible or praying or things like that, and some of us kind of struggle with it. Make a suggestion. Start slow. Don't try to conquer it all in one day. Don't try to conquer it all in one week. Maybe the the resolution could be, I'm going to read the Bible for five minutes a day. Just five minutes. And just see what happens. And even when it's dry, I'm going to stick with it and stick with it and stick with it. Five minutes a day. And just see what emerges over time. For prayer, some of us feel funny about praying and aren't confident in doing that. I would really encourage us to maybe write down five things you want to pray for. Just five things. Make sure one of them is something you want to be thankful for. But it can be your family, it can be your work, it can be your relationship with God, it can be a financial situation, it can be anything. Five things. And make sure that one of them is gratitude. But as you do that, and as you're praying, if different things pop into your mind, if your mind wanders, pray for those. Maybe God's opening up the door for you to pray for those things. So just get involved with this. The idea is to know Jesus better, to know God better. That's part of being in the game. Okay, the last part, the fourth word in the whole thing, is to adjust our priorities to be consistent with his. Now, if we adjust our priorities, that can get dicey. You know why? It can get dicey because this might mean we have to change our behaviors. And sometimes that can be uncomfortable, and sometimes that can be a little bit tricky. Maybe it's going to mean that we have to deal with some issues that we hadn't dealt with. Maybe it means that we're going to have to do some stuff in our marriage that we hadn't been doing. Maybe it means we're going to parent differently. Maybe it means we're going to readjust our schedules where we're not so busy. Maybe it means that we come to grips with some addictions that we have. Maybe it's a a substance addiction. Maybe it's a pornography addiction. Maybe it's whatever it might be. But that's sort of realigning ourselves with uh, with, uh, Jesus and knowing his priorities and acting on his priorities. Once again, another personal example One of my many, many problems, and many is M-A-N-Y, not M-I-N-I. One of my many, many problems is I stay up too late watching TV. And, uh, you know, I usually wrap it up about 3 or 4 in the morning. No, I'm kidding it. But I stay up too late. 
And I watch things, uh, you know, I channel surf and all that, and Margie, sometimes if she's with me, she will yank the remote out of my hand because it's driving her crazy. And so then we fight over that. But anyway, it's just a good day. But, uh, but I stay up too late. Like last night, I stayed up, you know, watching after the, uh, after the Oklahoma game, and I just had to see the follow-up show. I had to see what Scott Van Pelt thought about it on SportsCenter. I just had to do that. Never mind that it's going to come on 40 times a day and I could watch it today. And least of all, never mind that they'll, they'll show it all over again. And never mind all that. Never mind that I could record it and watch it at a reasonable time. I just stayed up too late, and I do that all the time. That's the behavior I need to change because that's not taking care of my body, which is a temple of God. And I really struggle with that. But God's going to cause us to make some changes. And some of the changes we're going to make, frankly, are changes in things that we need to start doing that make us uncomfortable. We need to figure out maybe how to love people we don't like. What does that mean even? Jesus said, love your enemies. How do I do that? And that might be uncomfortable to reach out to people that I don't like. How do I do it? But that might be something I need to change. I may need to grapple with forgiving somebody. And that's going to be hard for some of us because we've been horribly abused. But we need to figure out how to let go of it. And that's going to be uncomfortable at first. Because some of us have lived around anger and resentment and frustration for so long. It's going to leave a hole in our lives if we give it up. But we might need to struggle with that. Another thing I'm going to need to work on is how do I trust God in the midst of things that I don't understand? How do I trust God in that? What do I say in those situations? Because we've had to deal with a lot of those up at the church this year. We've had a lot of funerals from really good people in the prime of life. And one of our really tricky situations, and I'm not, I'm just saying this, not in any kind of weird way. We had one service up here that uh, there were two young girls killed in the same car, same car accident. And both coffins were up here. And you look at that mother and you say, how does this possibly make sense? How in the world does this make sense? It just doesn't make sense. But we've got to learn how to trust God in the midst of those things. And that's hard. That's part of this whole deal about, uh, about going forward with this thing and, and changing our priorities to fit his priorities. It's not going to be easy. It really isn't. It's really good. Being in the game is really good, but it's not going to be easy. And we're going to make blunders. We're going to dribble off our foot. We're going to miss some free throws. Something like that's going to happen. It's going to be confusing. Sometimes it'll be discouraging. Sometimes it'll be encouraging. Sometimes it'll be sad. Sometimes it'll be fun. Sometimes it'll be troubling. Sometimes it'll be comforting. But the point is, we're in the game. We're in the right game. As my friend Josh Miller says, it's no picnic, but it's good. It's the right game as we get in it. So it's the other thing about it, though, it's the game where life will have meaning and purpose and hope and joy and relationships that just are not describable in terms of their potential for goodness. So it's a good game, even though it's a hard game. It's a game where we can make a genuine contribution to eternity for people. That's the right game to be in. And it's a game in which we'll never, ever be alone. God will always be with us. Let me read this passage from Isaiah. But now, O Jacob, listen to the Lord who created you. O Israel, this is the one, who's the one who formed you, says. Do not be afraid, for I have ransomed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. 
When you go through the deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through the rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel. We never have to be alone again, no matter what's going on. One of the passages that I think is very helpful in funerals and things like that, and it's a great way to finish this up this morning. It's a real challenge that Paul gives to us as he's writing his, his last letter that he wrote. The last part of the last letter, this is 2 Timothy. And he knows he's facing death. He knows it's imminent. The, gracious, the glorious fight that God gave me I have fought. The course that was set I have, I have finished and I have kept the faith. Paul is saying here, he's not saying that, he's saying that he fought the right fight. He was in the game. A lot of us get in the games, but it's the wrong game. And he's saying, I fought the right fight, and it's going to change all of eternity. As he goes on and he says this, I have kept the faith. The future holds me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the God, I'm sorry, the true bridge, the true judge will give me on that day. And not only, of course, only to me, but to all of those who have loved what they have seen of him. So there's meaning, there's purpose, there's hope. There's joy, there's relationship, we don't have to be alone, and there is an indescribably magnificent future. So once again, I would really encourage us to get in the game. And I don't know where you are with that. I don't know what part of your life you need to bring into the game. I know what part of my life I do. But that's between us and God. So the word of encouragement, the challenge, maybe the resolution, get in the game. Let's pray. Father, we come to you now, and God, I pray that you would help us to get in the game. You know what situations we face, and you know how we face them. You know where we are struggling. You know where we're scared. You know where we're reluctant. You know where we're passive. You know where we're active. You know all this stuff, Lord. So I pray that you would work in us in such a way that we could understand and that we could know what we need to do as we struggle to get in the game. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.